Free-thinking atheist witchy farmer, herbalist, wise woman, obia woman, healer, off-grid homesteading hedge witch, living close to nature, black Hispanic, Afro-Latina, Jamaican, Honduran, Caribbean American, honoring and embodying the spirit of Queen Nanny of the Maroons, born in the inner city of Boston, educated and came of age in the affluent Metro West suburbs, escaped to beautiful, rural, central Massachusetts in 2015. Welcome to Sweet Sage Homestead. Dead Farm and Path of a Green Witch podcast. My name is Andrea. Remember, Black Lives Matter and love is love. The statements I make on this podcast are for educational purposes only. My statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Therefore, the statements I make are not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All of the information I share is simply for informational purposes only. You should always consult with a licensed healthcare professional before you start taking a new vitamin, supplement, medicinal herb, or conventional medication. You should also get professional advice before you start a new exercise program or if you suspect that you might have a health problem. Knowledge is power. I hope you use the information I share with you to seek the best care for yourself and the people you love. Thank you for listening. Even though coffee has been my favorite drink for about 15 years, I know surprisingly little about the history of coffee or its therapeutic uses. Before I started studying herbalism, I didn't even think of coffee as an herb. Coffee is native to Africa, and there's an interesting story about how this plant from the Kaffa region of Ethiopia became America's most widely used herbal infusion. But coffee drinkers beware. Coffee can make you sick, and it can also impact fertility in a negative way. There are a few other safety precautions you should be aware of if you drink coffee, and I'm going to discuss them in detail. I'm going to be sharing information from a few different resources, and I will include links in the show notes. Coffee is a member of the Rubiaceae family. Other members of that family include Gardenia, Cat's Claw, and Cinchona. There are a few different species of coffee that are pretty popular. Caffea arabica, Caffea liberica, and Caffea robusta. Coffee is also known as arabica, mocha, java, espresso, cappuccino, and latte. Generally, the seeds or beans are the part of the plant that's used to make the drink that we call coffee. Coffee helps treat colds, flus, allergies, and asthma. It improves athletic performance, it helps prevent kidney stones and jet lag, it relieves pain, and combats depression, and it might even reduce the risk of suicide. It can also promote weight loss. Coffee can also produce significant side effects. The active constituent in coffee is caffeine, and caffeine is an addictive drug. Over time, regular users of caffeine develop a tolerance, and if they suddenly give up caffeine, they experience withdrawal symptoms. Coffee is classically addictive and causes so many side effects that one report is quoted as saying, if caffeine were a newly synthesized drug, its manufacturer would almost certainly have great difficulty getting it licensed under current FDA regulations. If it were licensed, it would almost certainly be available only by prescription. If you're a coffee drinker, you know that when you consume more than you're used to, you get jittery and irritable and you have trouble falling asleep. 
Individual reactions to caffeine vary, but over time, large amounts on the order of 8 cups or more per day may cause caffeinism, which is a condition with the same symptoms as anxiety neurosis. Those symptoms include nervousness and irritability, chronic muscle tension, insomnia, heart palpitations, diarrhea, heartburn, and stomach upset. In fact, many people are misdiagnosed with anxiety neurosis when the problem is actually caffeinism and that is according to a report in the American Journal of Psychiatry. Coffee also increases the secretion of stomach acid. People with ulcers or other chronic digestive disorders should drink coffee sparingly or maybe not at all. Three cups of brewed coffee can boost blood pressure by as much as 15%. If you have high blood pressure, you should be very careful about drinking coffee and maybe talk to your physician about it first. Like I said, Coffee can increase your blood pressure, and that's because caffeine is a vasoconstrictor. As blood vessels narrow, the blood pressure rises. Caffeine produces a sharp spike in blood pressure in people using it for the first time. Studies have shown that in people with normal blood pressure, the rise is just temporary and your blood pressure should soon return to normal. If you have normal blood pressure, you won't get high blood pressure from drinking a moderate amount of caffeine or coffee. But if you're taking medication for high blood pressure, you should definitely discuss caffeine intake with your doctor. There are a few side effects that women should be aware of before drinking coffee. They include impaired fertility, increased bone loss, higher risk of fibrocystic breasts, increased likelihood of premenstrual syndrome or PMS, and elevated risk of stress incontinence. As far as impaired fertility, in a 10-year study, researchers at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine tracked 1,430 mothers analyzing their diet and lifestyle habits, including coffee consumption. During that time, there were 2,501 pregnancies among the women. The more coffee they drank, the longer it took them to become pregnant. A three-cup-a-day coffee habit reduced fertility by about 26%. If you're trying to conceive, you should limit your caffeine consumption or go caffeine free. On the other hand, don't count on coffee as a contraceptive. Even in large amounts, its fertility reducing effect is highly unreliable. As far as increased bone loss, caffeine pulls calcium out of bone. Several studies have shown that the more coffee women drink, the more calcium they excrete in their urine. Women can minimize the loss of calcium somewhat by adding milk to their coffee or by choosing coffee and milk beverages such as cappuccino. Women who drink coffee regularly should make a point of consuming lots of calcium as well. Higher risk of fibrocystic breasts. A few studies have linked caffeine to painful, non-cancerous breast lumps called fibrocysts, a common but annoying condition. Women who have fibrocystic breasts might try cutting out all caffeine, coffee, tea, cocoa, chocolate, soft drinks, and over-the-counter drugs to see if it makes a difference. Increased likelihood of 
PMS. One study found that compared with women who abstained from brewed coffee, those who drank two to four cups a day were five times more likely to experience PMS. If premenstrual symptoms are a problem for you, consider reducing your coffee consumption or switching to decaf. Elevated risk of stress incontinence. Coffee contributes to stress incontinence, which is the urine leakage associated with coughing, laughing, or sneezing. For reasons that remain unclear, coffee is associated with weakening of the muscles that hold the urine tube, or urethra, closed. This is a condition known as detrusor instability. Brown University researchers surveyed 259 women with various types of urinary incontinence. Compared with those who drink little or no coffee, those who consumed 5 cups a day were 2.4 times more likely to have stress incontinence. In general, coffee is considered safe in amounts of up to 2 brewed cups a day. But if you have gastrointestinal problems, high blood pressure, anxiety, fertility problems, or osteoporosis, you should be very careful consuming coffee or anything else that has caffeine in it. You should also consult a doctor before taking any medicinal amounts of coffee. If it causes insomnia, stomach distress, anxiety, or any of those other problems I discussed, consider reducing or eliminating it from your diet completely. Now that I've talked a little bit about some of the safety precautions around drinking coffee and caffeine, I want to get into the healing history of coffee. So our word coffee comes from Kaffa, the name of the region in Ethiopia where the fabled beans were first discovered. Archaeological evidence suggests that prehistoric East Africans loved coffee's remarkable stimulant properties. They ate the red unroasted beans or cherries before tribal wars, extended hunts, and other activities that required alertness, strength, and stamina. In just 1,000 years, coffee has been credited with a rise in intellectualism, grandly influencing Arabic and European cultures through the rise of coffee houses. It has also been accused of destroying indigenous cultures while becoming one of the most valuable commodities in the world. About a thousand years ago, legend has it that a goat herder in Ethiopia noticed his animals were more rambunctious and frisky after eating the berries and leaves of a small shrub. Testing it out for himself, the goat herder felt more energized and thus the fascination with coffee began. The first methods of preparing coffee included making a tea from its leaves and pounding its green seeds into a flour-like substance that was then made into cakes. Neither of these preparations were particularly tasty, but they were presumably effective because people's love for coffee continued to grow. The beverage we know as coffee emerged around 1,000 years ago when Arabs began roasting and grinding coffee beans and drinking the hot beverage as we do today. Around the same time, the noted Arab physician Avicenna penned the first medical description of coffee's stimulant effects. The Arabs are credited with figuring out how to roast coffee beans, then brew them into a delicious beverage. And for centuries, the Arabs controlled the flow of coffee beans to other parts of the world until coffee plants slowly but surely were smuggled out of controlled plantations and cultivated throughout equatorial regions of the world. Although coffee is enormously popular today, it was quite slow in developing its global reputation. For 500 years, it 
remained in the Middle East. Then, in 1517, Sultan Selim I introduced the beverage to Constantinople. At around the same time, spice traders introduced it into Italy. Over the next 100 years, it spread throughout Europe. The first coffee house opened at Oxford University in England in 1650. It was remarkably similar to Starbucks and other contemporary coffee houses, a place to enjoy coffee, conversation, reading, and writing. Coffee houses quickly spread to London, where they became hotbeds of political discussion and dissent. In 1675, King Charles II ordered all of London's coffee houses closed, claiming that they were contributing to sedition. Coffee arrived in New York City in 1696, 30 years before it reached Brazil, which is now one of the world's major coffee exporting nations. Until the 17th century, Arabia supplied all of the world's coffee through the port of Mocha, hence one popular name for coffee. Then, the Dutch introduced the plant into Java, and the island quickly became synonymous with coffee. In 1732, Bach composed the Coffee Cantana in celebration of coffee, despite some people feeling that it threatened Germany's traditional brew, which was beer. As coffee became more popular in Germany, the backlash in favor of beer intensified. In 1777, Frederick the Great of Prussia issued a manifesto denouncing coffee in favor of beer. Fernando Illy of Italy invented the espresso machine in 1904. Merck, the pharmaceutical manufacturer, introduced decaffeinated coffee in 1910, and in 1938, Nestle introduced Nescafe instant coffee. While there are many interesting historical facts about coffee, there is also a dark side to coffee's history. As the demand for coffee grew, profit-driven governments and entrepreneurs slashed down native rainforests and destroyed numerous indigenous cultures to make room for coffee plantations. Millions of people who were once independent subsistence farmers were forced into coffee cultivation, leaving families and entire countries victim to the rise and fall of coffee prices. Starting in the 1990s, awareness about the negative economic and environmental impacts of coffee began to rise. Organizations and cooperatives were created to ensure a fair price for farmers, fair trade coffee. Today, coffee is the largest fair trade product in the world. Fair trade is the only ethical choice when buying coffee. Shade-grown and organic coffees are further ethical choices, adding layers of environmental protection by plantations being grown in biodiverse forests and plantations being grown without pesticides. Obviously, if you're going to be using coffee medicinally, you want to know that it's not been grown with pesticides because those contaminants could be even more harmful rather than helpful in terms of whatever healing aspect you're looking for. Coffee has always been more popular as a beverage than as a healing herb, but European herbalists believe that its stimulant effect could help treat opium and alcohol sedation. In their medical text, King's American Dispensatory from 1898, America's 19th century eclectic physicians who were the forerunners of today's naturopaths prescribed coffee as an agreeable stimulant that frequently overcomes the soporific or 
sedative effects of opium, morphine, and alcohol. They also recommended it to treat asthma, constipation, menstrual cramps, and dropsy, which is congestive heart failure. The eclectics also recognized coffee's downside. As noted in King's American Dispensatory, if taken too freely, coffee causes irritability, trembling, confusion, ringing in the ears, and disorders of the bowel. On the other hand, if one is accustomed to moderate amounts, headache will result if the coffee be withdrawn. Folk healers have used coffee for centuries to treat asthma, fever, headaches, colds, and flu, but few modern herbalists include it among the healing herbs. And this is odd, considering that coffee is pretty much America's most popular medicinal herb. Caffeine, the stimulant in coffee, as well as in tea, cocoa, chocolate, cola, mate, and guarana, is also an ingredient in many cold, flu, anti-drowsiness, and menstrual remedies. And these uses are direct outgrowths of coffee's role in traditional herbal healing. Coffee is a powerful central nervous system stimulant. For those who drive long distances, it helps prevent dozing at the wheel. It also counteracts the sedative effects of antihistamines, which is one reason for its inclusion in many cold remedies. Coffee does actually enhance athletic performance. Attention athletes. Coffee improves physical stamina and athletic performance. In a British study, researchers had 18 runners race about a mile on nine different different days after giving them one to two cups of either regular or decaffeinated coffee. With the help of caffeine, the runners ran 4.2 seconds faster. In a similar study, researchers had distance runners run and cycle until they were clinically exhausted. A few days later, the athletes were retested an hour after drinking five cups of coffee. With caffeine in their systems, their stamina improved by 44% in the running test and by 51% in the cycling test. The International Olympic Committee regulates caffeine use by Olympic athletes, allowing no more than 12 micrograms of caffeine per milligram of urine. To reach that level, an athlete would have to drink at least five cups of coffee within three hours before Olympic events. To experience caffeine's performance-enhancing benefit, you must consume more than you already tolerate. A person who uses no caffeine might improve performance by drinking just a cup or two of coffee, but a one cup a day athlete might have to drink two to three cups before noticing any effect. Coffee is also a decongestant, which is very helpful when it comes to colds, flus, and allergies. Coffee can be used to treat ailments that cause chest congestion, such as colds, flus, and allergies. It can also be used as a treatment in asthma. A survey of 70,000 Italian households found that as the consumption of coffee increased, the incidence of asthma attacks declined. Caffeine can also help with pain. Compared with plain aspirin or ibuprofen, the combination of either painkiller with a small amount of caffeine, like about 60 milligrams, which is the amount in one cup of instant coffee or half a cup of brewed coffee, or the same as like one cup of strong tea. If you combine that with your aspirin or ibuprofen, it seems to relieve the pain faster and more effectively. Caffeine has no intrinsic pain-relieving effect, but it is a mild antidepressant, and pain and mood are connected, so you hurt less when you feel happier and 
you hurt more when you feel depressed. So researchers believe that coffee's ability to boost mood is the reason that it enhances the pain-relieving effects of aspirin and ibuprofen. Caffeine's mood-elevating effects appear to explain why regular coffee drinkers have a lower-than-expected risk of suicide. For more than 20 years, Harvard researchers have tracked the diet, lifestyle, and health status of a group of about 85,000 female nurses in the ongoing nurses' health study. Based on the information gathered to date, the women who drink no coffee have a somewhat higher suicide rate than those who drink two to three cups a day. Coffee can also help with kidney stones. Kidney stones cause excruciating pain in the lower back and groin. The traditional preventive measure involves drinking plenty of water to dilute the urine, which minimizes the risk of stones. The nurses' health study, however, has shown that compared with taking no preventive measures, drinking a daily glass of water cuts kidney stone risk by 2%, while having a cup or two of coffee daily reduces the risk of kidney stones by 10%. Tea, which also contains caffeine, lowers the risk of kidney stones by 8%. Drinking coffee can also help with gallstones. Harvard researchers tracked about 46,000 male health professionals who were initially free of gallstones. Over the following eight years, about a thousand of the men developed gallstones. Compared with the study participants who drank no coffee, those who consumed two to three cups a day were 40% less likely to have gallstones. Drinking smaller amounts of coffee also provided some protection. Drinking coffee can also help with some menstrual problems. Coffee appears to protect against heavy menstrual flow, which not only is inconvenient, but also may contribute to iron deficiency anemia. Researchers surveyed 403 healthy premenopausal women enrolled in California's Kaiser Permanente Health Maintenance Organization about their diet, lifestyle, and health status. Compared with those who drank no coffee, the women who drank more than two cups a day had a significantly lower risk of menstrual periods lasting at least eight days. Caffeine is a vasoconstrictor. It constricts blood vessels, including those in the uterus, and in this way, it can help reduce menstrual flow. Coffee can also help with jet lag. Jet lag is the disorientation, insomnia, and fatigue that develop after flying across time zones. Coffee may help shift the body's natural time cycle, its circadian rhythm, after abrupt time zone changes. Some jet lag experts recommend drinking coffee in the morning when traveling west and late afternoon when traveling east. Coffee might also help with controlling obesity. The caffeine in coffee raises metabolic rate, which is the speed at which the body burns calories. As metabolic rate increases, fat accumulation decreases and the body could shed some unwanted pounds. Avid coffee drinkers know the stimulating effect coffee has on their digestive tracts. One cup of coffee is all coffee fans need to keep them regular. Coffee is a boon to people with type 2 diabetes. Coffee increases blood glucose levels and plasma adiponectin concentration. Both of these help reduce insulin resistance. Keep in mind that coffee also increases urination, so keep an eye on water intake. Coffee is not a dietary substitute for water. Be sure to consult your doctor to be sure coffee does not conflict with any other medication. There are people who react to caffeine the opposite way that the standard coffee 
coffee drinker reacts. It is not uncommon to find a person that reacts to coffee as a sleeping aid. The trick is to know your body's reaction to plants and utilize these reactions wisely. People with compromised nervous systems, particularly those confined to a wheelchair, sometimes find that a cup of coffee prevents uncontrolled leg spasms. Coffee grows in tropical areas around the world. The plant is an evergreen shrub or small tree with two seeded bright crimson fruits. The green seeds are extracted and roasted to produce the dark brown oily beans recognized the world over. Most of the world's coffee supply consists of the Arabian Arabica species. Liberica from Liberia and Robusta from the Congo are also cultivated worldwide. You can grow a coffee plant purely as an ornamental if you live in a sunny, humid area where the temperature does not dip below 60 degrees Fahrenheit. The plant requires full sun, moist air, moist soil, good drainage, and regular feeding. Coffee plants are also available as house plants. Again, they require full sun and high humidity. They grow well in greenhouses, but not in homes with forced air heat, which tend to be too dry. For temperate climates, coffee trees are indoor plants. Coffee likes acidic soil with high nitrogen fertilizer. Orchid fertilizer mix is a good choice for the home coffee grower. Coffee is a high-need house plant. The tree should be watered twice weekly. Keep the soil well-drained, yet moist. After a few years, it will begin to flower. After a few years of flowering, coffee cherries will appear. Even with all this pampering, without high altitude, the coffee you harvest will be inferior to the coffee you buy in the store. This kind of gardening is for the hobbyist only in northern latitudes. For the gardener, coffee grounds are the best gift a compost bin could get. High in nitrogen and easily composted, coffee grounds are remarkable for building soil. Earthworms love it. The scent covers rotting food and compost. Coffee grounds are are pH neutral since the acid is water soluble and disappears after the coffee is brewed. Even the coffee filter adds needed carbon to the compost pile. If you dig fresh coffee grounds into the soil under your roses, they will love it. You can also use spent coffee grounds as liquid fertilizer. Just fill a five gallon bucket with water and coffee grounds from one pot of coffee. Let it sit in the sun all day. The next day, you have five gallons of liquid fertilizer to pour on your high knee plants. But don't put coffee grounds on seedlings. Coffee grounds are similar to manure in composition and they can burn young tender plants, so use them wisely. Gathering and processing coffee is an art form. If you're interested in roasting your own coffee beans at home, you can actually purchase green beans from a variety of internet sites. Or if you're fortunate enough to live near a roaster, you can often purchase green beans directly from your local coffee roaster. You can buy specialized home coffee roasters from like a bunch of different internet sites or you can make your own roaster using a hot air popcorn popper. You should avoid buying already ground and sealed in a tin commercial coffees if you can because there are two main types of coffee plants, Robusta and Arabica. Arabica is what you want because these are the ones that most artisan coffee roasters and good coffee shops offer. The Robusta varieties are hardy at lower altitudes and in higher heat climates, which allows them to produce vast quantities of beans very cheaply. Robusta beans generally contain far more acid and caffeine than Arabica beans too. Many of the commercially produced sealed in tins already ground coffees contain high amounts of Robusta beans 
beans, which is why those types of coffees taste more sharp, less complex, and give you a lot more kick per cup. You can use coffee to care for your animals. Used coffee grounds are fabulous for getting strong odors out of the fur of animals. Once the coffee grounds have been brewed, the caffeine is in the liquid brew rather than the grounds. So make a tea or infusion of the used grounds and soak a rag in the lukewarm coffee infusion. Rub the affected area with the rag and if the area is large, use the coffee infusion as a rinse to clean the unpleasant smell from the fur. If you're washing your animal in a bathtub, rinse the tub immediately with water and then with vinegar when bath time is done to save the tub from staining. Keep in mind that the coffee plant makes caffeine to defend itself from browsing animals. Coffee is a poison. Dogs and goats have been known to eat a bean or two and survive, but it's not good for them. Chocolate-covered coffee beans are particularly enticing to dogs, but are particularly toxic. Keep your animal safe and hoard the coffee for yourself. There are so many other uses for coffee, non-medicinal uses. Coffee is a natural deodorizer, which makes it terrific for an array of household cleansers. Soaps made or milled with a bit of coffee can take strong scents out of your skin. Cooks can benefit from a bit of coffee in their cleansers too. Just add a spoonful of grounds to a grated soap recipe to make kitchen soap with rich color and scent that will take the strong odor of garlic and onions right off your hands. Coffee is good for clearing the sinuses of old scents. This is very helpful when you're going to be smelling lots of perfumes or other strongly scented stuff. Use a little coffee like wine tasters use water crackers between sampling different wines. Make a small bottle or bowl of coffee beans or grounds and take a good deep whiff of them between sampling the scents you're smelling. Coffee contains antioxidants that help the skin. Spent or fresh coffee grounds may mixed into soap makes a good exfoliation or deep cleansing bar that cleanses and rejuvenates the skin. Spent coffee grounds mixed with wax makes an effective fire starter. Coffee essential oil is good for filling a space with warmth and invigoration. In incense, coffee or coffee essential oil adds fire to the blend's energy. Added to candles, coffee creates warmth and adds a warm scent to the room or fire and energy to any magical working. Drunk before meditation, small amounts of coffee can aid in keeping the mind alert. Be very careful with this though, as too much can keep the mind centered on the body's well-being rather than allow the mind to clear and move forward with the meditative process. Coffee pots need to be cleaned monthly. The residual oils can collect in coffee makers and go rancid. Mineral deposits or scale can build up from hard water and clog your coffee maker. Use a solution of half white wine vinegar and half water to wipe and rinse the coffee pot. Pour one cup of the vinegar water solution into the pot and allow the liquid to sit for a while to break down the oils before wiping and rinsing. Coffee is a high acid herb which will disrupt the pH balance in the mouth. The tannic acid in coffee can eat away tooth enamel, which also allows traces of coffee's brown pigment to stain your teeth. Rinse your mouth with water after every cup. Pregnant or nursing women should only use coffee sparingly or under the advice of a qualified health professional. Coffee is not appropriate for people with heart conditions or ulcers. Coffee can increase nervousness, 
hand tremors, and cause rapid heartbeat. More than moderate use of coffee may also raise cholesterol levels and contribute to artery clogging. You should consider eating something when you drink coffee since the acids in coffee are strong enough to trigger digestive acids. Thank you for listening to my episode on coffee. I hope you found this information useful. As with any medicinal herb, you want to consume it responsibly. Caffeinism is a real thing, so if you are a heavy coffee drinker, just keep that in mind. Thanks again for listening. I will talk to you soon.